No home runs on this pod. We're working station to station. I am back with my co-host and battery mate, Dustin, as always. And our guest today is Amir. We are going to discuss some sober second thoughts on uh, the Jays' playoffs, particularly game number two, and of course all of the uh, controversy and discussion that has followed. Of course, Ross Atkins has had his season-ending press conference as well, so we've kind of got all of the info to talk about. Uh, Dustin, uh, you know, have you had any change of heart or uh, any change? Uh, and how you felt about how things were handled uh, last week? Uh, well, I think over the Thanksgiving weekend, I've gone through my stages of grief. I've uh, achieved acceptance. And I'm just ready to see what uh, what we got going on the off season. I did have a chance to, and, and I'm going to kind of quote a source here. It's not a primary source, but a secondary source. Uh, I at the letters podcast is uh, anything I mention is I'm going to be pulling from there. Uh, those guys do a good job of having very calm, uh, I think, serious conversation about things, and 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 I think they both provided both Ben Nicholson, Nicholson Smith and Arden Zwelling kind of provided a couple different perspectives on it. Uh, ben actually in the moment liked it because he had he had wrote earlier in the day how he how this was apparent going to be a possibility uh, just based on Barrios' track record um, against lefties and just how he thought the game was going to play. And in the moment, he liked it. And then after the fact, he actually switched his mind. And conversely, Arden Zwelling didn't like it. And then after the fact, basically dug up a bunch of stats to support why he thought it was uh, thought it was a decent move. Yeah, I mean, he had some compelling arguments there. Um <laughs> I mean, mostly that, you know, the numbers say that Kikuchi probably um, was, you know, a better bet due to, uh, you know, the, the numbers of um, Barrios after, I think he, he looked at like after the fourth inning, but he was trying to find, you know, the third time through and there's no real stats for that. But, you know, Barrios's numbers after the fourth inning were not great. And, you know, you're trying to win this game, uh, you know, and, and there is an argument to be said also, I don't know if he made this one, but something I thought about, I mean, you look at what happened, results are that, yeah, two runs are scored, but, you know, Kikuchi got, what, four ground balls there? Um, yeah, he did mention that. Yeah, so I mean that that is kind of the result you're looking for: ground balls to the infield. Uh, unfortunately, some of them got through and runs were scored. Amir, why don't you tell me about kind of in the moment on that? Uh, I guess Wednesday night or Wednesday, I guess late afternoon, how you felt uh, when Barrios got the hook. I mean, I was a little bit surprised. I guess you could say, but. Um, I understood where it was coming from because, uh, you know, a few friends had been discussing kind of game one and what happened in game one. And I had this crazy theory of, well, Kikuchi's the only lefty, why not start him first, right? Game one and then kind of save your best guy for a possible game three was kind of what I was working with. So I wasn't totally surprised when I saw it. I was pretty alarmed when I saw it, though, um, because the reality is, 
Barrios could have let those two runs come in. Something could have happened. But Kikuchi let them in. It doesn't really, that's, none of it's really here nor there to me in that context. What really is important, one thing we haven't talked about is, is the offense, right? Um, two runs, right? Game two. We had zero runs. The Jays had zero mm-hmm. runs. So to me, that was the more relevant piece there uh, when it came to pitching. And Dustin brought up a really interesting point there about ground balls. Because I heard Ross Atkins during his press conference talking about um, how they stick by the plan, basically, that they had. And a lot of good contact was made or there's good contact stats Um and that type of thing. And, and like some of these stats in baseball, they really, I find them very, very like, uh, not confusing, but confounding. Um, so in one context, contact is good. In another context, contact is bad. But what are you measuring your stats against? Like ground ball contact, given what kind of factors related to the defense you're hitting into? Like, it, like that's my whole thing with all these stats and like all these different areas of confound that there's it's it's really uh it's really puzzling to me how certain stats get valued versus others that don't get valued um or considered adequate that's for me the missing piece with all this stuff but as far as wednesday night goes uh, to answer your original question a little bit uh concerned obviously but not surprised well so i think the i think the answer you're referring to so Ross Atkins, and we can talk about his uh, his press conference in a little bit, but I think he was basically asking, like, you know, why did this team fail, essentially? And I think he basically said, like, he, he responded thinking that, basically saying that, you know, he didn't, in his plan, he didn't think it would fail. He thought that, you know, um, in terms of good contact numbers, and, you know, that that is a very general term, whether he's talking about, you know, barrels or exit velocity and 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 there's like sub stats that go into those stats which i i agree they're 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 quite confusing um but i think with this barrio situation like the play essentially was and 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 i'm i i i still disagree with it but i the play is that barrios gets he has traditionally been hit hard by lefties um so by the you know the third time through the order now that's pretty common with most pitchers, uh, but basically he gets hit by lefties and uh, I'm just looking here the stats that uh, they were talking about in the particular podcast I referenced Barrios versus lefties uh, during the season and I think he has um, basically that he had the second most innings I guess like so. In terms of the uh, sample size, it's it's quite large, and so the OPS 774 and 16 home runs given up versus lefty, so pretty uh, pretty sizable. Now Kikuchi on the other other hand versus righties, 756 OPS and 21 home runs. Now the, well, the, well, why, the well, sorry to interrupt. Why is no that stat more relevant than the record or the stats versus the specific team that's being faced? Well. No, and and I and I think this is I I think you're bringing up a very good point. Like I I don't think it's necessarily I don't think it necessarily is not, more important. Yeah. I think it's not right, and I think this is the problem. You know, um, kind of with this whole situation is that you know there is a group of people in this organization that are basically just using numbers, uh, and 
you know, decisions are being made based off of that. Now, the other well, the other play, and and let me just I'll I'll let you jump in in a moment, Dustin. The other play that they're trying to do is that the twins basically the twins have better lefties than righties, and so the other play in this is to basically ferret them out. So you get rid of these lefties in hopes that later in the game you're facing, you know, you have two at-bats versus a right-handed batter because the Twins will pinch hit. This is what they do. And so you're basically having at-bats against worse, you know, worse, worse players, essentially. Um, that's, that's, a, that's the other play that was at hand here. Yeah, and I think hmm, back when these stats started coming into – Vogue, like I would say, maybe the mid to late two thousands ish. There was a lot of talk about you know these numbers as you know helping you know the the money ball stuff and Billy Bean and all that good stuff and how you know it it was something that <coughs> the, the people at the time didn't catch. But I think and it was it was like an opportunity for them to like you know. Uh, gain an advantage that other teams didn't have and i think like now there's almost that like the opposite problem and like back then we also we used to talk about like um the intangibles as something that people weren't were missing when you talked about these stats and i talked about it on the last episode like you know barrios is is just shoving there's something to be said with the intangibles, not just the stats, but like, how does it make, you know, your your team feel when you've got a guy that's just performing, and you're gonna pull him out? You know, there was a shot of of Bobichet, you know, talking to Vladdy, and you you know that he's they're like, what the fuck is going on, you know? And then on the other side of the the diamond, in the other dugout, the the twins are like, um, you know, like, the, oh, they're, they're pulling them out. Yes. You know, this is our chance. This is our opportunity. You know, whatever the numbers say about, uh, you know, the stats or whatever. I mean, I'm a stats guy. I believe in that stuff. But, I mean, there's something to be said for that intangible that I think was missed in that moment. And they need to be better at, I think that if, if I'm going to criticize anybody, it's John Schneider in that moment needs to be better at recognizing that that that's a moment for just to leave leave Barrios in, let him finish that inning. You want to take bring in um, Kikuchi in the next inning, so be it. That's great. Give him a clean inning. That's what Kikuchi's used to. You know, I think that would have gone over much better in that moment. Well, uh, Dustin, just to jump in um, before Amir gets in here. So I, I did look through um, the game summary. And if so, this whole scenario, like the, the reason they did it in the fourth was because these, you know, three out of four lefty batters coming up, plus Carlos Correa. Uh, the next time this would have been um, basically the next opportunity to do this would have been in the sixth inning. So if you were to pull. Uh, Barrios out in the fifth I think you'd probably bring in like a righty maybe but um yeah. the next opportunity to do that would have been in the sixth inning I don't know uh, you know I think we've we've talked about a lot about the the you know the reasons I think it wasn't a bad move 
in general, like in a vacuum. Uh, yeah, my my biggest sort of problem with it is just the the uh, the ignorance or the the dismissal of those intangibles of what the moment meant and what you know. I mean, you felt it. I felt it when we were watching it. Like, what are they doing? Why are they taking him out? You know. Well, it was like, pre-planned, right? So it was pre-planned, and they were following this plan. And and I think our issue is is that the influx of you know, if you want to do this, yeah, okay, but you got to be able to say, hey, the, you know, as you said, this guy's shoving. It's the only thing they seem to have not considered. What if Brios is really being out there? Like, do we stick to mm -hmm. the plan, right? Maybe they did. I don't know. But obviously it was a bad call. I just wanted to kind of look at um, some basic stats here because it seems like um, really, really into the weeds about innings, etc., um, and all this type of stuff. I looked up OPS for three of the Jays pitchers, Kikuchi, Barrios, and Gosman. Uh, and Kikuchi and uh, Barrios have similar... Uh, at bat numbers that they faced, so 73. It's identical, actually. 73 for Barrios and 73 for Kikuchi as well. I just want to make sure. And against the Twins, I'm talking about. And Kikuchi's OPS, uh, I guess against, is 865. And Barrios is 529. Oof! Yeah. <laughs> wow! Wow! So and, and so we're talking about like you know all the there's all these stats nerds right we're talking about all these stats nerds and this this is seemingly a very obvious stat that Amir just laid right at our feet that we haven't even talked about yet that seems like ah you you probably should have looked at this one yeah the reality wait Justin sorry well I'm just gonna say it, you, you that sounds like uh amazing but like we don't know what stats they're looking at too that that's the problem is like they're not as transparent with all that as i mean i guess they don't they don't want to be because you know then you're giving the info to the other team but you know like are they looking at more than just ops and, and should they be i don't know maybe that's maybe that's just a number to look at I think just coming from a bit of a background where I look at data a little bit for a living and I look at actually more individualized data as opposed to big data sets. One of the ways in which kind of you want to consider a player's data potentially, I would think, because they're an individual person, is based on adding context. And when you have a bigger yes, if you're on base plus you're slugging, that gives you more of a contextual big picture snapshot as opposed to a super super reductionist um little mini stat about uh, how a pitcher's fourth inning goes for example and when you have yeah. a very kind of um more broad stat um that stat you know theoretically may incorporate some of those what Dustin was referring to earlier as almost intangibles um into it now i'm not saying that you know the OPS incorporates a measurement of, uh, you know, how glum Bobichet looks uh, given a particular <laughs> circumstance. But what I'm saying is that you have to look at, I think, the more relevant tried, tested, and true stats that held up over time. There's a reason why OPS 
is always, always, always featured prominently uh, when they're showing a, a player's stats uh, on the screen, I think. So, yeah, I think there's obvious stuff out there. And, and, you know, some of that feel stuff can be added to those obvious stats. And I, that's the, the big, that's the way to do it um, when you're looking at an individual person's behavior anyway and what you think you're going to get out of them. Yeah, and to, and to be fair to the Blue Jays, you know, that the, the, the fourth inning stat was something that, you know, uh, was brought up by a, a commentator on a podcast, you know, so I not see, necessarily what the Jays are looking at, right? My apologies. Yeah, Jays, and uh, the, um, so now, now the other thing that I was thinking of is, like, the Blue Jays made a big deal, big deal out of Jose Barrios, our second, you know, he's going to be our second um, game starter. Like, you know, no talk about Bassett. You know, Chris Bassett had a, a great finish to the year, 200 innings, you know, all kinds of other stats that really um, showed what a great pickup he was. So you may, you go to this big deal uh, uh, of basically naming Barrios your your uh, game two starter, and then you hook him. You hook him, like, super early. It just, like, I don't know. How does – I'd like to know how Chris Bassett, does he, does he have issues with – lefties after the fourth inning like if if he doesn't why didn't he start there's a lot that goes into that choice i I don't think i mean to me they just kind of kept the rotation rolling they probably just sold it as listen these this is the order you guys are in uh we're going to keep it that way you know bassett you know we want you for that important third game if we win you know if we're in the third game, that's a must win. So we want you there. You're a guy for that must win game. I mean, it's a, there's a way, I mean, that's the job of the the staff is to sell it to the guys and and to make sure that they feel like they're important or whatever the case may be. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if that's as big of a deal as, you know, really the, the in-game kind of move. Well, I take that point at uh, face value. Um, The, Moving into, uh, I guess the uh, the weekend. So you know we have uh, post game press conferences. John Schneider's essentially talking about you know how this he was kind of basically telling us how this is the plan and not really taking too much responsibility for it. But it seemed like this is a part of a grand plan they had for game number two. And then Ross Atkins has his uh, year end or season end press conference. On a holiday weekend, I might add, and basically takes no responsibility. And you know, and, and I, I, I think I do have a question for you guys about this, but I just want you to talk a little bit about this um, press conference and what you thought about uh, Atkins and kind of uh, how you see this team going forward. Uh, I mean, he drove the bus right over Schneider. I, I don't know, man. I, I, he drove it over him and then drove it back, you know, backwards again. I, I don't, that's all that, that I was thinking when I saw that. It, I mean, I guess I didn't expect him to come out and say it was my decision and just like throw himself to the wolves. Um, but um, I didn't expect him to just kind of totally absolve himself of any blame and, 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 lay it all at the feet of Schneider. Dustin's going to be super diplomatic. It is kind of like his show. I guess I will not be. Um, 
So what I heard from this guy uh, on that during that press conference on that I guess uh, Friday of a before the holiday long weekend was someone that was trying to basically twist himself into all kinds of different shapes to not say that he had any role in um, the decision making process. A lot of really really weasley language like. Well, we have a staff mm-hmm. generates stats, and John gets to pick uh, which stats he wants to see, et cetera, et cetera. But what I got from that press conference was there's a culture that exists where there's a process in place, and the manager is expected to follow that process. So even though Atkins wouldn't have directly given the order, et cetera, et cetera, he, I'm pretty certain based off of what I heard that it's understood that Schneider is going to follow what the analytics guys say. That's the culture of the team. Um, like these out of control baseball nerds running around, uh, almost not necessarily giving you the order, but making very, very strong suggestions. Um, what's interesting to me too, is that it's things are going to kind of stay the same probably next year. I don't know, Dustin and Alex, like what you make of what Atkins was saying. There was all this talk about reflecting and kind of making changes, et cetera. I don't know that anything changes next year based on the approach. I think they, they're, they're really, really stuck in their numbers. Um, it can go one of two ways. I think we're going to find out on Thursday where that that path is going to lead because um, uh, Shapiro's got his pressure on Thursday. And, you know, if they're going to, fire Atkins, for example, that's the moment that they would do that. Um, mm. So it, basically that's going to tell the tape to me. If, if Shapiro comes out and he's, you know, we're bringing back Atkins, everything's good, you know, status quo, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, look, I, I have no problem with the way that this front office has built the team necessarily. When we started this year, everybody was – the you know the Blue Jays were the sexy World Series pick for a lot of people, not just Blue Jays fans. So I think they built a good team that just underperformed. I I wouldn't have a problem with them giving them the keys for one more year and see what they can do to fill the holes. Uh, you know you're saying if that's status quo, yeah, but I mean status quo wasn't that bad. We got to the playoffs. They just need to be better at building that, you know, offense. I can definitely see a lot of the coaching staff um, leaving. I mean, we've got, I think, the third base coach, Luis Rivera, retired, retired. this year. Um, so there's a spot there. I can't see them bringing back Guillermo Martinez as the hitting coach. Uh, like this. <laughs> the, the I hope offense. not. Holy, yeah, like, come on. There's Come on. No, so if there's a, one sacrificial lamb, it'll be him for sure. Um, and I hear that you know the the coach, the hitting coach in the AAA team is is pretty good. Um, and judging by you know what the Buffalo boys have done when they've come up and shown some flashes of awesomeness, um, maybe he is the answer they need on that front. We'll see. It's like David Schneider. So, like he, it's like, just one, one thing, real quick. It's like. Dustin brings up the Buffalo Bisons, and it's like David Schneider comes up and it's like he's smashing the ball all over the place for us a little bit. And then it's almost like the shitty like Jay's hitting coach got to him or something. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think it was that. I think they just realized that he can't hit a high fastball or a fastball away, or basically any ball out over the plate. And 
he he basically lives low and inside and uh yeah. they just pitch so they just pitch and and those are those are big big holes but uh, you know i i think that's that's always what i think as soon as any buffalo bison comes up and does well they're like oh you know he's gonna be ruined right because that's just you know <laughs> You know. Anyway, now I do want to ask a question about specifically well, that now, press I, conference. I, oh, now, before on. you do that, I did want to get your. What do you think about Amir's question there about uh, you know what what are we going to do? Uh, well, what's going to happen? Here? I so I think I think that's a complex question, and I do think some of it will be answered on Thursday um, when. And I, and I do think Ross Atkins, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's him and Shapiro are buddies. So really, you know, Shap- I think Shapiro's going to have to be pushed to really make a decision on that. Um, Atkins did talk about, uh, you know, how, you know, they were going to improve the team internally, but also externally. He also basically said that they weren't going to resign any of the free agents. I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed that yeah. he he basically he said back, all these guys are back, coming back, and then he backtracked he afterwards backtracked on that. Yeah, so I, I, I can see Kiermaier. They're not primary. Back, maybe. So I don't think they're primary options. I think that's what that is. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, I I was listening to uh, another. I was listening to I guess a podcast, the JD Bunkus podcast. I think he's on from like nine to eleven on the fan. Yeah. And he had uh, Ben Nicholson Smith on, and they're talking about like possible free agents. Like, I'm sorry, but if he thinks that the, you know these kind of uh, you know scrap heap players, th- this is this is the the Atkins and Shapiro way from like a few years ago. It's like they they take a scrap heap player that like and they try to make it work. You know, I I, I am saving. Um, I, I, I have a couple players in mind that I'd like them to go all in on uh, and sign, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to fix everything, but I think they'll. Uh, I think they would go a long way to basically rectifying the issue with the hitting. And frankly, that's what needs to happen because if they don't sign, if they don't actually have a big off season like they did last year, and things start to go tits up in the the first, let's say in in April or May, the fans are not going to be happy. Like, so if, if, if Ross Atkins isn't the sacrificial lamb on Thursday and this, and they have a, you know, a meager off season and they get off to maybe a bad start or they have a rough go of it, like, like, a, like May, like last year, fan, the fans are not going to be happy at all. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to be happy and I'm probably one of the easiest to please. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they have to have a big, off season, I mean everybody has to have a big off season. We talked about Vladdy has to have an off season. I mean Bobichet, I mean he he's probably okay, <laughs> but you know Manoa has to have an off season if he's gonna try and come back. I mean this whole team Varsho. I mean if Kiermaier's not coming back, he's gonna be the center fielder. He's gonna be the guy. So he's got to kind of mm-hmm. um, you know have a breakout year. Uh, there's there's a lot we're riding on, and I, and I think you know in terms of free agents, we can kind of have a whole maybe a whole podcast on that, and we can talk about. It. I bet you I'm thinking of some of the same guys you are. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of holes to fill. You know, Belt's not going to come back. I think he's probably already, you know, 
camping or hunting or fishing or whatever. Yeah, he does. he's he's considering <laughs> retirement. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to retire. Chapman is, you know, at the top of a really weak third base uh, class, and they've got some reasonable options there. So I, I doubt he's coming back. Kiermaier is the only one that I'd like to see back, but you know, he he had some. I don't know, there was some comment of like he wants to play on grass, and uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe he's an option, but I don't think. You know, like I said, you know, Varsho can cover center. They can really, I think the outfield is where they can add a big power bat this off season. That's what they need to do. Well, I do want to ask a question about the, uh, that press conference before we get too far along. So Ross Atkins and Amir, you kind of touched on it, you know, he, and, and Dustin with the, the bus. Do you think that Ross Atkins is kind of, he's deflecting from himself or, is he trying to show that this manager does actually have autonomy and he's not just a bag man? Uh, yes. <laughs> Both. And I think uh, he's, I don't know. I don't know obviously what the, the deep culture is there, but I think that it, Amir touched on it. Like there's a culture of the analytics are, you know, uh, you know, the number one decision-making tool that they have. And everybody has to buy into that process. And, you know, they want to have this sort of appearance of being able to, um, you know, allowing Schneider to make his own decisions. But, you know, he wouldn't have got the job if he didn't buy into the, that process, right? He, well, he's an org. He's, he's an organizational an org guy, guy, right? So, right. So, I think it's both. I think he's he's trying to kind of say, um, listen, he's trying not not to sort of neuter Schneider and say, you know, he's like just a puppet, but he's also <laughs> trying to say, you know, I'm not the I'm not the decision maker. I don't know. I think it's both. The problem is he's not fooling anyone. The fan base is is like knows right. what's up, and I think so. No matter if there was an effort to kind of um, uh, put forth that, well, this is how it it happens. Even if it's if it's what he's saying is hundred percent true, the fan base is kind of offside with him. Now, what will turn that around next season is if they start to win. So we'll see. Yeah, winning solves a lot of problems. Well, and you know, Amir, you weren't on last week, but uh, you know, is is they they made the playoffs, so they were one of the top six teams in the American League. But this team essentially had one must-win game, which was Wednesday afternoon, and they failed miserably. This team didn't win like the the last weekend when they could have secured their own passage. They, they couldn't do that either. They had to rely on a Seattle yeah. loss. And, you know, so I, I do think big changes are necessary. And, and Ross Atkins seemed to be a bit, I don't know, borderline smug or like confident or smug that like, you know, he can, he's going to, you know, there's going to be changes and players coming in. So I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical saying that the Jays have thrown money around the last maybe two to three years. 
And so maybe maybe they do have some uh, some answers lined up in the free agent market. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, I I I gotta believe that they can they can sign at least one big boy, um, in the off season. Uh, you know they've got the money for it. They're doing their renovations. They need 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 the fan base to come back next year. Um, they can't afford you know to to fail, and they know that winning puts butts in the seats. Um, so yeah, I think they're gonna if if any year they're gonna go all in. You know, um, you mentioned Shohei Otani in the chat here, Mir. I mean, if uh, I doubt, like I highly doubt that they're gonna try and get him. But if there's any year that they fork out that kind of cash for somebody, uh, you know. I think this is a year that they're going to do it. There's two more years left on um, Bobochet, I think, and um, Vladdy. You know, this this pitching staff is is here for another year. Next year, the the, the top four guys. Um, yeah, I mean, this is their window. The window's closing, and so when that happens, that you that you got to go all in i wanted to mention uh, one more thing about uh the discussion around the stats um and i wanted to kind of i was always i was thinking about things like before coming on here and i expressed earlier like which stats are we valuing too much and perhaps which stats are we valuing not enough uh and what really boils down to is like basic core scientific concepts of reliability and validity when it comes to data. Reliability, reliability simply meaning like how consistent is a measure, right? And I think some of the stats we're looking at, there seems to be high levels of reliability. Um, what we may lack in the statistics analysis because we're looking at huge data sets as opposed to individual data sets related to a player's behavior. Uh, in relation to other variables is uh, the validity data. And are the stats actually giving us an accurate picture of what they purport to be giving us a picture of? Or is the use of the stats valid? Are we using them in a valid way? For example, uh, just because we know this is a picture of stats in a particular inning, for example, or um, any other stat, right? Does that actually mean, does that translate into a probability really and really, given all these other factors and circumstances? So there's that point. And the very last point is um, that all of these metrics are being analyzed not just by the Jays, but by all the other teams that they're playing in relation to one, one another. And all of these stats are being manipulated uh, and utilized uh, across different kinds of permutations, I guess, in terms of numbers. Um, when it comes to uh, a decision making, so you don't really know. It's not really like one isolated stat that is um, a factor. Like Dustin mentioned earlier, the intangibles as well. It's all stats interacting with one another, and the output yeah. what you get on the field. Um, that's probably why. Like I have this theory now that ever since they started using stats, and everyone got better at kind of manipulating and leveraging these numbers, it's like everything cancels everything out almost, it feels like. 
feels is a very unscientific word, but that's what it feels like. I think you're you're touching on kind of where the competition is now, right? Teams that can identify the stats that are valuable, that are repeatable, that are informative, and throw the ones that are just like noise or or just are not predictive of any kind of real world you know um you know uh, results uh, that's where the competition lies you know for the for the, on that decision making tree and i think you know we see some teams a lot better at doing that than others um and uh, you know sometimes though you can do that um very well and then you know there's there's a lot of luck there's a lot of you know intangibles not just intangibles from like a these are human beings but just a bad bounce you know uh, you know exactly chance you know yeah yeah matt, Chap- luck. matt chapman's yeah. two two hits that are you know that one that went foul if it's two inch you know he hits it like a, a half a centimeter you know more forward on the bat you know like if he's like that split femtosecond faster on his swing that's a fair ball and you know the game's different right so there's there's all that um that goes into it but yeah every team's trying to find the, that edge and and the good teams are the ones that like i said and like you're implying can can sift through all this noise and find those stats that are meaningful and predictable. Right. What is noise and what well, is not noise? Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Amir and Dustin. Thanks, Al. Thanks for having me.